0: Welcome back to the Blue-White Illustrated Penn State Recruiting Podcast. He's Ryan Snyder. I'm Greg Pickle. Junior days are underway. A contacted period is underway. Penn State coaches weren't able to hit the road last year at this time to see players and their families uh, that are already signees or to see high school coaches and teachers and the janitor of guys they are targeting in the underclassmen realm. So that's all back on the table now, Ryan. It means a busy January for us, an active one for fans to follow. And we'll kick things off today with the first junior day of 2022 for Penn State. No commitments, which not is it's not a surprise to either one of us. We talked about it last week and we also hit on it on the website that, you know, Penn State doesn't typically net a ton or even any uh, commitments in the class of 20, you know, the next class this year to be the class of 2023, uh, but in years past, you know, they don't typically net those guys in uh, in this first month of the year. Maybe they get one here and there, but it's somewhat rare. So, point being, not the end of the world if Penn State comes out of this first junior day without a commitment because I think it's a safe bet to say that they've set the groundwork for some future ones down the road, but let's start with your re- initial reactions to how things went. Hmm.
1: Um, good list. Uh, I believe it was nine four-star 2023 players, uh, Quinton Martin already has a four-star rating. He's 2024, 20, uh, so we'll say 10 four-star players and uh, a bunch of other quality guys. I think Musa Kane, somebody uh, that could end up moving up uh, down the road too, and Jaden Bonzu. We, we currently don't have ranked. He's his his recruitment just exploded. You know, he transfers to Saint Saint Peter's Prep, and uh, what was it? I mean, before the season, and then from September to now, he's got 20 plus offers. And um, speaking to to people. Uh, before the in the notebook I did yesterday, they you know they, they said that he's physically probably the most impressive player that was uh there, so it was a <clears throat> excuse me, it was a, pr- a pretty good list of overall. You know, you, you got two, two really important offensive tackle prospects coming up, and Evan Link and Samson Oak and Lola. You got uh two important Florida guys, defensive tackles, I think, uh, and LeBlanc and Walker. Walker's definitely a D tackle, and uh, LeBlanc we had him kind of more so as a D end and then he comes up and checks in at 270 pounds, six foot four and a half. So uh, that, that screams uh, interior to me as well, but uh, we can get in all these guys, man. Where do you want to start? Do you want to start with those tackles or uh, what do you I, think? I
0: think so, because the tackles uh, <laughs> tend to be a spot that Penn state fans gravitate towards for obvious reasons. So I think that makes the most sense to start there and we'll kick things around here as we continue on this edition of the blue weight illustrated Penn state recruiting podcast on January 18th. Yeah. Let's start with the tackles.
1: All right. So Samson, Oakland, I'll have a story on him uh, this afternoon. Had a good talk with him last night, but I mean, I think the main thing to know there is just that it's, it's still incredibly early for him. Uh, He went to uh, Virginia, Georgia and Florida. And those, those visits were primarily for his brother Samuel, who of course uh, ended up at Pitt. And, and I believe they were all, you know, I think the the UVA one was an official visit in the fall, uh, but the other ones were all back in the summer and, uh, this was his first trip then to, to Penn State, so I, I I just get the sense that that's a recruitment that's going to last a while. You know, he he's ranked fifty fourth nationally in the in the country, right? So I mean, especially whenever and if you look across the region, there's there's not a ton of true tackle prospects in the Mid Atlantic, so he will be highly coveted, Correct. and somebody I think we're going to be talking about just a, a ton. Uh, the other one is Evan Link, of course, from Gonzaga. Uh, he measured in around six five and a half, um, and two hundred and ninety pounds—a a true tackle prospect. Uh, I believe he had a pretty good, pretty good reach too, it was around thirty-three inches, uh, which, which Penn State was happy to see. You know, the thing with Link, I've been, I've been pushing for a while now that I, I think Penn State's the favorite with him—the early favorite. I don't want to, yeah. you know, that's not what Evan's saying, but to me, you know, just read the visits and it makes sense. Uh, but the the big thing with him is we have enough. He we he has an upcoming uh, Stanford visit here on January 29th, and you know, he's he's one of those players where I genuinely believe academics are, are going to be more important or just as important as playing you know high level quality football. Uh, so uh, you know, w- whenever you have Stanfords and Northwesterns and academics are incredibly important, I, I circled this January 29th visit as just one of those pivot points, man. Like, this feels like to me that if he goes out there and he loves it. Penn State's going to have to maybe fight for him uh, harder than what it's looked like in, in over the last month or two. Or he can go out there, it's too far. I'm sure he's going to love Palo Alto, right? Everybody does. But, uh, you know, if, if for some reason it's too far, or it's not a perfect visit, you know, then this could be Penn State's opportunity to, yep. I don't want to say run away with it, but, you know, they'll, they'll be even, even more comfortable than they are. So, uh, January 29th, uh, we'll have a lot of guys to recap uh, for Penn State's Junior Day that day, but uh, learning how his Stanford visit went will be one of the most important things that I'll, I'll be trying to learn in in the beginning of February. Uh, while while we're on the offensive line subject, I'm just going to go into two other guys real quick. Then with Sam Pendleton and Amir Herring. Uh, when I okay, Penn State has two guards committed, right? Uh, right. And I was wondering, like, are they still going to push for interior guys? And it's I very much get the impression that they still will. I mean, they they are just going to as they should, they're going to just try and load up as much talent as they can uh, for, for Phil Troutwide's room. To me, I feel like Pendleton between the two is a little bit higher than Herring. Now, if you look at the ratings, Herring's 221 nationally, Pendleton's 371. Uh, but what what I think separates them in Penn State's eyes is that Pendleton is probably going to be a center. And, and, you know, they haven't landed too many, you know, quality center prospects in, in recent years. That was something they were interested in last year. It didn't really... Uh, work out exactly uh, how they were hoping so um, that that's why I think Pendleton is very much still in the mix there he just got a Clemson offer the other day and he's made it very clear for the longest time now that uh, that's one that he highly covets of course he's from North Carolina so uh, Clemson's obviously has a lot of pool down there so I'll be curious to see how those goes but uh, good visits for all four Uh, Pendleton you know he's been very high on Michigan and he's talking about a February commitment I just I to me, I just feel like he's going to keep adding offers. So is that going to put pressure on him to, to maybe not decide next month?
0: Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense. And I guess my question for you just to finish this part of the conversation here is what, does, what is Penn State's preferred plan here at offensive line? Would they prefer to get, you know, two guys in a transfer portal, four guys in the high school ranks, and call it a class? Yeah, I'm just saying in general, not just specific year, because obviously we already know where things stand there. But, you know, we heard Andy Frank talk it, during the early signing day about this idea that, well, you know, it's probably easier to fix problems along the offensive line in the portal. As we know, though, and as we're going to talk about a little bit later with coaches being on the road and them seeing two transfer targets uh, – uh, these guys are not easy to land and everybody wants them. So what's the best way to go mm-hmm.
1: here? I mean, definitely you yeah, know, if you can land transfer portal guys, it's a lot easier to get them on the field quicker, right? I mean, Steen and Steen's already, you know, played a, a good bit. I mean, we're going to talk about the Tyler Steen of course for Vanderbilt. We're going to talk about him a good bit um coming up here and uh, he he's an he's an important prospect for them. Um now and then Hunter Norris out of course, he played for Cornell. I mean, yep. you know, Cornell's not what the SEC is, but I mean, this this they see a lot in this film that they like, and I hope he coming in as a grad transfer and you know really focusing on football. I, I think you know both of those guys are incredibly important. Uh, I I don't know what the number is going to be for offensive line as far as twenty twenty three is concerned, but I just know uh, that if they got to add extra guys, I think they're going to add extra guys. I mean, I, it wouldn't surprise me at all if you know we'll t- we'll take the the transfers out of it uh, if they if they could maybe reach five offensive linemen if they could get five quality guys so they're really trying to uh you know uh, stack some talent in that room I I think uh we don't we don't know about some yeah we don't know about some of the young guys but just the fact that the young guys weren't pressuring some of the the guys who who were struggling at times this season uh says a lot so I'll be curious uh just to kind of see how it moves forward but you know, again, I, I was thinking, okay, you got two guards already, do you gotta keep pushing? And uh the the responses have consistently been, yeah, we're we're gonna keep out interior guys, and of course, if they can get two quality tackles, they'll take it.
0: Yeah, if you I mean if you visit Blue today, you'll see David Eckert, our colleague at BWI has a scholarship chart up. And it's a little bit scary, Ryan, along the offensive line, numbers-wise. Yes, it
1: is. Um and, and I i I'll be curious to see. I think what what I'm really kind of wondering is Some of the younger guys uh, who haven't pushed yet, um, what what happens with them kind of moving forward? Uh, Are they, you know, obviously they'll be here this spring. uh, Moving forward, but just if they kind of restack uh, and and load up on talent here, and and you know, I'm sure they're going to try and go for more transfer portal guys down the road. uh, What what happens with that room? Are they trying to? I don't want to say. something guys out is not the right to put it, but you know, if they, if they just stack those rooms and, and young guys surpass them, um, what, what happens there, uh, right. moving forward. So it's, it's definitely a point that they are really trying to, uh, fix. Uh, I know, I know Phil Chotwine is, is, is pushing hard, uh, with, with a lot of, there's actually a couple quality 2023 guys too, who don't have offers yet that I know they're already starting to work on. So it's just everything behind the scenes points that they're going to stack up on offensive linemen in this class. So.
0: We'll see. All right, well, obviously it was not just offensive linemen that visited Penn State for junior day last weekend. And of course, when we say junior day, you know, we're talking about all kinds of underclassmen. You have sophomores, you even have some freshmen from time to time. So let's just hit on a couple of those guys here before we move on too much further, Ryan. Uh, we know that there were a couple of Florida guys in town and John Walker and Derek LeBlanc. Uh, you mentioned Jaden Bonsu, the safety, Quentin Martins twenty twenty four guy who we talked a lot about before. Tamir Robinson, the four star Pittsburgh linebacker, was in town. Who else stood out to you? from this weekend's visit list outside of that tackle group we just talked about?
1: Well, I mean, I think the guy we have to touch on is a Darius Redman, the wide receiver from Powell, Tennessee, Uh, you know, long story short, man, I'm hearing that he has maybe a little interest in possibly committing and what Penn state's trying to figure out then is just, is, is he a take right now uh, for them? So that, that'll be interesting moving forward. Uh, I, I, I think they, I know they like him a lot. There's no doubt about that, but uh, is, is, is he a guy that they take right now compared to some other wide receivers that they have higher on the board? But, uh, you know, Redmond came up, ha- had a really, you know, good quality visit. he's um, really seemed to, to, to enjoy his time. And, you know, there's some talk since then that uh, he has interest in committing. Now, uh, I, b- I believe his other top schools are uh, Florida, Georgia, Tennessee, and I'm missing one. Uh, I know he's visited Tennessee a couple times, visited Kentucky a couple times. I think he's going to go back to Kentucky here in a week. Uh, so that'll that'll be interesting to see how that visit goes because they weren't in his top five, but he's still visiting them. So something to watch out for. Uh, but he's six foot 180. He's probably another slot guy, though. And that, that's kind of one thing I wonder uh, is just, you know, if you have other slot guys ahead of him and, and you know, you know, you, you have, uh, you know, some quality you know, six foot or so guys already on, on your roster, you know, do, do, you, do you try and focus on on some bigger guys here uh, moving forward before you would accept a commitment from Darius Redman? But, uh, I mean, look, they're not bringing him up on campus if they, if they don't like him a lot. So I think that's just something we're going to have to watch moving forward. But um, some Tweety Birds are saying that he is interested in that. So that'll be something we watch. Uh, do you want to keep Blue
0: going? On no, That's no, fair. we have to leave an ad spot. So there was a little pause there. I should have probably given you a heads up on that. But there's Sorry. a little bit of I'm how the sausage up. is made. That's okay, everyone. It's hard. It's a lot easier to pick those out when uh, when there's a nice long pause. But at any rate, this is the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Recruiting Podcast. Ryan. What is the, you know, what is the, as we can look back to past history and talk a little bit about this. Obviously, last year with no visits taking place this time of year, it didn't really uh, help us do that. But, you know, would you expect over the next couple of weekends any commitments or do you uh, maybe survey the landscape and think that now with the February dead period that comes up after this visit weekend that you're probably more likely not going to see guys maybe take all their trips here in January and then maybe we'll see a couple of decisions in February or a guys just going to hold off until that spring official visit period gets here. What, what have we learned over the last couple of cycles in that regard? And obviously we've had some crazy uh, cycles here the last two years, so it's not the perfect way of determining this, but just based on past experience and everything else, what have we noticed?
1: Uh, I need to see the individual. Um, I need to see what the next two lists look like for me to say, like, it's all about it's all about the individual right I mean there are some players who I think if they had an awesome visit up here they would say screw it you know I'm already leaning this way let's go um history tells you no that that a lot of guys don't end up committing to Penn State you know I think we talked about this before Charlie here, Curtis Jacobs and I know I'm missing somebody else uh you know they 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 made moves uh in, in previous Januaries uh but a lot of guys don't. Uh, and, and, of course, you have those official visits in April, uh, May, and June, and, and that that's a major reason why. A lot of guys want to come to spring practice, too, in March uh, and, and early April because uh, you know, those spring practice visits are also, I think, kind of – underrated visits now, obviously you get to watch practice but a lot of guys will come up like on a wednesday and you get a you get a personal visit and you get to watch practice uh, and i think those are kind of oftentimes one of the more underrated moments in, in guys recruitment especially when i i talk to him three four five months down the road you know a lot of guys point to that to that march visit or that early april visit and said man that was kind sure. of a, a turning point for me so Uh, Is it possible? Yeah. I mean, I I need to see what the list look like here. I mean, I've only got a handful of guys confirmed right now for the 22nd. And uh, we actually have even more confirmed for the 29th. And from what I've gathered, the 29th is going to be the bigger junior day than this upcoming one. This upcoming one, uh, they seem to be they they seem to want more quality guys coming on the 29th just from, you know, from what I've gathered so far. But uh, it's always possible. One wouldn't surprise me. Uh, Yeah. But history says it's their guys are going to wait till March and April.
0: All right, let's move on to the transfer portal. You reported on Monday that Penn State had a chance to check in with two of its top offensive line targets. And, you know, uh, we have to cover this almost every week, every other week, because it's one of the the questions we're asked about most. But it certainly does have a bit of a Sean Barham-like feeling to it, where if you're not familiar with what I'm getting at there, We can try and answer it with different words each week, but until something new happens, it's kind of the same old, same old. Penn State pushing, everybody else pushing. But what's the latest on those two guys? How important do you think those stops were this week uh, on Monday for Penn State?
1: Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I think the main thing fans need to know right now is that class is in session and we're a weekend. So they can't add anybody till May. Uh, And that's just kind of... It's unfortunate for Penn State, you know, and this is why the transfer portal isn't always exactly equal, uh, because there's there's definitely some other schools out there who aren't starting classes. Uh, I don't think I believe until next week, you know, so they're getting they get extra time there uh, to try and squeeze guys in. And and that that hurts, um, you know, from that perspective. But it it is just kind of what it is. So uh, to circle back, yeah, Tyler Steen, uh, offensive tackle prospect for Vanderbilt and Hunter Norzad, offensive guard prospect uh, from Cornell. uh, Both both hosted the the coaching staff on Monday. Norzad is back home, which is Atlanta. So they 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 made stop in Atlanta and Nashville, and it was the entire offensive staff. So uh, I know they are, you know, you're not bringing the whole staff for for nothing, right? I mean, you're you're trying to make a big impression there. I know Auburn uh, was in to see Norzad. I or I was expecting Auburn to be at least uh, as of uh, Sunday night. Um, I believe they made it, but I don't know for sure. Uh, and and we you know we know Iowa is very much in the mix uh, with with him as well. So he has official visits coming up to Auburn, Penn State, Iowa, and I believe Virginia Tech is the other one I believe for for Norzad. And uh, we're we're still waiting uh, to to get some information on Steen. But uh, you know we, we know these guys are both incredibly important. One thing I think is interesting with Steen is that he he plays right tackle, but there's some people who believe his he's best at guard. You know, so my point with that is just that he's not you know a, a 100% bona fide tackle yes he played it for Vanderbilt and I think that's where he wants to play but I get the impression he's a bit more like Caden Wallace than um, Rashid Walker when it comes to build and and, and things of that sort but both important guys man they, they got
0: yeah go, go ahead. ahead finish your thought yeah you said I mean they're definitely yeah I mean they're huge for this class potentially because you know we'll see it in spring practice but again I can't recommend enough if you Really want to get a sense for where Penn State is on this scholarship offensive lineman front, and just from a development standpoint, check it out, bluewayillustrated.com. It's going to be in the news section of the website. You can also find it on the Lions Den Premium Board if you sign up for $1 for one year of access to Blue White Illustrated and on three. But that scholarship chart's scary, man. There's a lot of hope and a lot of projection, and a lot of, well, maybe this is the year this guy or that guy will take a step forward. And, you know, I know that Salim that Ormley was supposed to be a starter. I know that. He, you know, will be back at some point. I highly can't imagine it would be for much of spring practice, but we'll see. Um, You know, they think Olusha Fushanu can step up, but there's not a lot of guys in that class otherwise who we know for sure are ready to go. So these two are huge uh, needs, there's no question. And it's going to take a little bit of time for Penn State to figure this out. I was just going to circle back quick to the class date thing. It's almost a blessing and a curse for Penn State because – it does help you figure out your side of the transfer portal in terms of, well, if guys are going to leave, there's not a whole lot of w- window for them to do it uh, between the end of the bowl game and the start of the school year. So that helps to an extent, I guess. But it also does put you in this situation where, yeah, if you have a guy who thinks he could be ready to be somewhere by mid-January and you're a school that starts in mid-January, like some uh, places do, uh, or even the, you know, the mid to late January, you certainly get an advantage there. Yeah. And
1: and this is something I've talked about with Penn State sources a lot recently. It's just that you have that element of it, um, which, you know, it's just – it's how the cards are, you right. You know, and they're not always going to be stacked in your favor, you know, and, and that's, and that's a big difference. I mean, they're, like I said, there are a lot of schools who won't start until this upcoming Monday. So they have a whole extra two weeks uh, to try and fill, fill needs there. And that matters. It really matters when you played a bowl game on January one and then you start classes, what was it like 11 days later, you know, yeah. and that, I'm not saying they, of course they were working on it from them, but you're just, you can only do so much in a day, you know, so that, that that's huge. But, uh you know, it is, it is what it is. And, oh, the one other thing, too, is just a lot of these guys are going into the portal and they already know where they're going. So I, I just uh, – and, and Franklin's already hit on that before. And, you know, the more I talk to people behind the scenes, you know, they say that that is a, a major emphasis that I don't think people understand uh, from the outside looking in. Uh, I, I would love to – I tried to actually get like, hey, well, how many of these guys do you think already have their place picked, you know, before they enter? And I, I just – you know, nobody was um, – you know, venture to guess on like percentages or anything like that, but that's something I'd be curious about. But it is just a consistent point that people people keep bringing up is from the outside looking in. You see all these guys, and oh, you know, they Penn State recruited them in the past, and it looks good. But uh you know, the, the reality is is that guy's entering the portal because his head coach has already kind of lined up a spot for him, and and you know, there's not <laughs> there's not a
0: lot you can do other than. Than, uh, is it a know, problem? Though? I mean, I know James Franklin's uh, no. I don't know if complained is the right word, but he certainly brought it up as something that's a challenge that fans and the media and everybody else need to be aware of. But I really don't see it as a problem. I mean, it's more of how does Penn State put itself in the position to be that school uh, that lands a guy? I mean, Noah Kane's a the perfect example, right? Uh, Matt Zenitz from On3 yeah. reports uh, basically 24 hours before he puts out his zone statement that he's in the portal, and then six hours after that, it might not quite be that math, but it was close, um, that he's going to LSU. You know, he did not decide to go to LSU. It's not like he picked up the phone uh, on the, you know, that day that the announcement came and called Brian Kelly and said, hey, do you have a spot for me? I mean, they were mm-hmm. figuring this out long in advance. Somebody was anyway. And you know what? That's just the way it is. So for Penn State, I think – Yeah, it's something to be aware of, especially to your the point you just made a second ago, which is that, you know there's sometimes guys that say, you know, we'll see a guy goes in the portal and fans will say, well, you know, so-and-so recruited him or we, you know, Penn State, you know, was the final three mm-hmm. or final two or whatever. And that's great and well, but uh, to your point, I mean, these things move quickly and more often than not, those things play no role in in what Penn State could have as a chance for that guy because he probably already knows where he's going or two or three places he's going. And it also seems like, uh, and I'll get off my soapbox here after this, but it's a lot of Florida guys, a lot of Southern guys who get opportunities to go to other Southern schools, and they're they're just more likely to stay on there. No matter what they thought in high school, it just seems to me that at least in this particular cycle, uh, those guys aren't coming north.
1: I don't have much out of that. I mean, you, you okay. pretty much hit on it all, so it's we'll see. Uh, but uh, right, I mean, I think right now that the plan is to try and get these guys figured out and see what happens in the spring. But uh, I, I don't. Um, I don't see a whole lot of movement coming, and now the classes are started, and uh, there's no real reason to, because again, you know, you're going to have another another wave come after spring practice, and uh, yeah. they're going to have to hit, they're going to have to hit on on some of these guys, especially if they if they miss out on either Norzad or Steve. even if they get both, shoot, man, I still think there's there's other holes yeah. that they can fill. Especially linebacker, man, we haven't even really talked about linebacker a whole lot, and uh, that they definitely, I think, they would like to add some experience at Mike. So, yeah, it'll be, it's good be something to watch.
0: With good reason. Mm-hmm. Tyler Ellsden obviously, I think can play both Kobe Kings and inside guy. But, yeah, you're probably not feeling so great about where that Mike linebacker's position is at. And, really, just the totality of the depth. I mean, you can say what you want about, you know, maybe Ellis Brooks, maybe Brandon Smith's could have come back, should have come back, whatever. And, I, you know, we're not here to agree, disagree with that or otherwise. But, point being is you lost two starters, uh, and then you lose Jesse Lucchetta, who played a little bit of both. And you get Curtis Jacobs back, but... You're going to have some young guys there beside him unless you can bring somebody or somebody's in uh, to really add some depth to that room. So we'll see. We're about three-quarters of the way through this edition of the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Recruiting Podcast. Ryan Snyder and Greg Pickle kicking it around on this January 18th, cold January 18th at that. Um, but let's get into where the coaches are today, Ryan. So, uh, all week long, uh, inside the Lions Den Premium form at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. Again, it's one dollar for one year of access. Sign up today. If you go to BlueWhiteIllustrated.com, you'll see it right at the top. You can't miss it—a big green button. Click that, get the premium inside information from Ryan. But we'll keep most of this behind the the uh, paywall, Ryan. But there are Penn State coaches, obviously, are on the road during the contact period here, and. They're making some stops in places that may not be as cold as we are here in central Pennsylvania. So uh, what can you tell us about that? And just how important is it for Penn State to have this opportunity back after not being able to do it a year ago and get the feedback on guys uh, that they typically get at this time of year from all the people who are around a prospect that maybe aren't directly related to coaching him on the field or helping him block better or things like that?
1: Yeah. I mean, every school's able to do it now. So, right. I mean, it's important. Yeah. But I mean, it's kind of equal, you know, everybody, everybody's out there. So I don't, I don't look at it as like, Oh, Penn state has an advantage now over, maryland or anything like that i mean because maryland's hitting the road just as heavy but uh, i mean it, it is incredibly important to to put faces uh faces the names and you know uh, build build relationships with coaches especially because we're talking 2023 here for the most part and majority of these are you know building building connections with coaches and really just digging digging on guys learning about guys um you know learning you know, the the good or the bad about off the field and, and whatever it may be. And, and that's always a, a major part of the, the recruiting process. So, uh, but yeah, so we've got a junior day. Of course, we, I keep saying we, I don't know why I keep doing that. Penn State has a junior day coming up on Saturday. So, so the staff's, down south a good bit today and they'll work their way back up north you know closer we get to Saturday the, the closer they are uh obviously it makes just, it makes sense right because of travel uh but but there's a couple notable stops of course they were in Atlanta to see Norzad and now Franklin is back in Atlanta or he's staying in Atlanta excuse me uh the checkup on on all the top schools down there and you know you there's not too many specific guys uh, that they're they're you know firmly in the mix with but it's just kind of you have to put you have to go in and smile and shake hands and, you know, make it clear that uh, Penn state's very interested because uh, Atlanta is one of the hotbeds of talent. It always has been, and it always will be. So they, they, he's in that area today. Uh, I know Stacy Collins and new special teams coaches with him uh, because they're going to do a, uh, an in-home visit with Alex McKenna and his family. And they're also going to actually meet with uh, Sanders to family in South Carolina. And I know like Sanders already, you know, on campus. Why does that make sense? Well, of course there were no in-home visits last year. So, from what I gathered is uh, when when the travel aligns and, you know, they, they can't really meet with 2023 guys at night. So sometimes you're just in the area and there's not much you can do in the evening. Uh, they will go meet with families for the the 2021 guys who signed last year because they weren't able to do it last year. Uh, for example, I believe later in the week, Khalil Dinkins' family and Trey Wallace's family, uh, they're going to be stops they make. And uh, they did one other, what was it? uh uh, Jeff Davis, they did that uh, on on Friday. So just whatever the the travel and and, and aligns, uh, that that'll be the plan. So just something to note. Yurchich, uh, though, I think is is kind of one of the notable ones today. That's the one that kind of stands out to me. Uh, he's going to be in Memphis uh, to see a couple prospects. Brock Glenn and Braylon Raglin uh, are our two quality quarterback prospects. Raglin is the one with the majority of the offers, I believe. He's up to twenty or so now. Uh, Penn State's not 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 quite twenty. Excuse me, no um I think he's got like six seven eight actually my fault <laughs> i was way off on that i think Mar- marcel reed uh from from tennessee is the one i was thinking of and he was originally going go to go to tennessee but it sounds like he's not going to be uh in that area now but anyway uh braylon Ragland, decent prospect tennessee auburn uh a couple a couple of schools who have offered him um I, I believe who was it it was uh Brock Glenn, I believe, uh, had a good performance at the All-American Bowl last week. Um, and, you know, they, Penn State has access to all that film. So whatever those guys were doing at that All-American Combine – excuse me, I said All-American Bowl, I meant the Combine. Uh, you know, Penn State has access to that stuff. And I get the impression that church uh, has maybe been watching a couple of these guys, uh, and that and that's why he's making those trips. Mar- Marcus Stokes, too, uh, from East High School, Florida, is another player he's going to check up on. Stokes doesn't have any offers yet. Uh, But he really grabbed some attention at the All-America Combine, too, the other week. So that's uh, just just somebody to keep keep an eye on. Aside from that, you know, it's it's kind of the normal areas for a lot of these guys. Uh, Jaylon Sider, of course, is in Florida. Manny Diaz is in Florida, you know, Cider's checking up on some running back one prospects. One thought there, if I could stop I, you
0: for a sec. I was impressed by a lot of the on. feedback you got from, and our colleagues as well on three, got about Manny Diaz. Sounds like he had a good first junior day. Look, I know it's all positive almost all the time. You can't really blow yeah. a junior day, but um, good first impressions it seems like for the new Penn State defensive coordinator on that group that got to meet with him last weekend.
1: The one guy I didn't hit on earlier that I wanted to hit on earlier is Musa Kane. Uh and and Kane was one who I felt like Coindexter uh, was a major part of his recruitment because he, he recruited uh, Moose's brother Sanusi to, to to Purdue. There's a good relationship there. Uh, but from talking to him, it, it really felt like Diaz was the one that he, he spent a lot of quality time with during his visit uh, and really kicked it off with. Um, so I, he was the one guy that you know, I thought we had a real genuine good discussion about Diaz. And, you know, I left it with like, okay, you know, Diaz clearly made a, a strong impression on him. And, and Kane's a guy that I think right now is leaning towards Penn State. Uh, we'll see what happens down the road. But, yeah, I mean, there's there's positive uh, vibes for, for Diaz. I mean, why, why, why wouldn't there be? He's, he's sure. a very accomplished uh, coach. Um, but he just has to get to know guys. And, uh, you know, that's what these junior days are all about. So uh, where did I leave off? Was it Stubblefield? I yes. guess, double field. Yep. Uh he's gonna see Noah Rogers in, in North Carolina. Noah Rogers is an incredibly important wide receiver prospect. You know, I was talking earlier about a Darius Redman. They're trying to figure out what they want to do with him. Well, guys like Rogers, Rodney Gallagher, a few others, um, you know, they're they're the they're the guys that they are highly coveting and you know would would take in a in a second, so I know he's checking him out, and he'll check out a couple other uh, 2024 guys in the area. I know Alex Taylor from Grimsley's a, a guy he's he's pretty high on as well. So he'll be in Northern North Carolina. Uh, Troutwine's also in Atlanta. You know, of course, the offensive staff was there for Norzad, so he's going to float around, check out some offensive linemen um yeah and you know just just on that it's really just kind of regional recruiting terry smith is in philly uh anthony poindexter seems it seems like poindexter is going to take over virginia beach that seems like a new change they've had uh because john scott was originally seeing that area and it didn't feel like they were getting much traction there so uh it makes sense right i mean dex is a virginia right. kind of legend right so so put him in virginia beach so uh yeah i mean it's, it's really you know, every day you have a couple couple guys like Jurchich who are doing something that I think's like really interesting. You know, here's some here's some up and coming twenty twenty three quarterbacks. Uh but for the most part, man, it's just really kind of regional recruiting, you know, um, shaking hands, smiling and, you know, making it clear that, hey, even if you don't have a guy right now that we want, uh, we'll be here in two years when you do.
0: Well, we will be here the rest of this week and, of course, all of the rest of this month as Penn State coaches continue to hit the road and host prospects for junior days. That's going to do it for this edition of the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Recruiting Podcast. He's Ryan Snyder. I'm Greg Pickle. We will talk to you next week on the Blue White Illustrated Penn State Recruiting Podcast.